This is Melissa, and it is August the 3rd, 2023. This is Real History, and I'm joined today by Adam in Germany. Hey. Hey. Good to be oh, here. Thank you for having me good, on. good to talk to you again. How are you recovering? Pretty good, yeah. I think last time we spoke, I was only at a hospital maybe a week or two at that point, so it was it was pretty fresh then. Obviously, I wasn't up, wasn't doing much at all, spending a lot of time in bed. But um, I'm back at work now, being active. I'm I'm very very busy again, and got lots of stuff going on. So yeah, good, pretty good. So you you're recovering still though from major surgery on your spine, which was what three months ago now. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was major surgery, and uh, I'm not sure if we did not, did we talk about it in the actual thing, the interview. I'm not sure, but yeah, it didn't. There was complications. The, the first one didn't go well. I and think you did I, mention yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it was not. It, it it went a bit sideways, and it was it got a bit scary, and it got pretty. It wasn't fun, <laughs> put it that way, and it took the, it, it added some some extra time to the recovery. But um, I'm, I'm doing pretty good now, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, a, I, yeah, I think we actually did talk about that just a little bit in the recording because you were in a very deep thinking mode. You felt that this had taken you to thinking about mortality, and you, when we recorded, you were still very much in the mode of thinking about your own, you know, the our lifespans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, that's. That was definitely where I was at at that point in time. And I think what has happened since then is I have become very, very conscious and aware of the limited time that we have in this life, you know. And so I'm, I'm coming up for 40 in January and... Um, I certainly haven't achieved all the things that I thought I might have liked to have achieved by this age, and so I'm I am I'm staying real busy. I'm not wasting any time. I'm getting a lot done. I'm go, it's go go go, and I'm feeling pretty good about it actually. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it, I had this uh, feeling that came on me uh, after Alan died that it never has left. It's very strong. It is a sense of urgency. Yeah. And I I thought just last week or two I was thinking about the consciousness or the awareness of our mortality and I said to myself and may not be original but I said, you know, I think that a strong awareness of mortality is the beginning of be, being an adult or growing up, or you know. Yeah, yeah for t- totally, totally. That that is. Um, I would say it it, it it lit a fire under me. That's for sure. And mm-hmm. it's one of those it's one of those things. This sense of awareness, yeah, that or being aware of your own mortality, being aware of the. The potential for all things that exists within you is another part of it as well. And Alan talked about that on numerous occasions. You know, we talked when, when we look out at the world, we don't, we are only able to see it as far as we can understand okay. ourselves. The whole awareness of your own mortality and how short your life is and how in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of, of nature and, and God and the universe, it, 
in a way it kind of doesn't really matter, you know. And that's not just not in a nihilistic way. It means that you're, it just means that you're a very very small part of all of this, you know. Um, and I guess the other part, which Alan talked about a lot, was the awareness that all possibilities that exist in the world are existing within you at the same time, and that you can only understand the external world as much as you can understand yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And he would often talk about that. You know, this is. Um, I, th- I think he talks about it in that that episode, uh, the man in the mirror, which which you spoke, to, which Michael from Sweden brought up, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you talked to him as well. So yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, we did not talk about the episode "Sing Your Song and Steal Some Time" from February of two thousand seven, but in kind of roundabout way we did talk about it and I ended up taking the title for that podcast from that episode it's a Heinrich Heine poem from My My Great Sorrows I Make Small Songs and Alan really talked a lot about mortality he talked about finding out what is important to you and you know knowing yourself really knowing yourself and then acting on it not waiting around for other people to approve of what you're doing or applaud you for what you're doing but just get on with it That's um, I don't know that one. I may have listened to it a long time ago, but it doesn't come to mind. So that's another one I have to look out for. And it's, I find it's hands sorry? down. It's hands down my favorite. I know it's hard to wow. have a favorite, but to me, it is a meditative gem. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Good. Because those <laughs> that era of 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 Alan, and I guess this would have been. Those the years just coming up to before you guys got together, right? That would have been like 2006, 2007. I really um, think those are those the best podcasts, the best blurbs that he did. At least, yeah, for me personally, yeah, I think they're the best. The ones from so, I heard, so I came along in his yeah. podcast. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say because that's not what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, there's there was a certain there were certain episodes where it's just it was just him and he's at home on his own in the middle of nowhere and he's talking in a very very relaxed way like a fireside chat and he's going right across the universe talking about all the, it's not political he's not reading news articles it's not about this that or the next thing it's just. Yeah, it's now, I've I've thought about that, Adam, and to me, I think that once he started on RBN, even in the early s- days when he was just doing three shows a week, and then he went to five nights a week, I yeah. think that he got into that format of covering the news and the topics of the day, and he really didn't do what, except for the Christmas talks, he didn't do what you'd call blurbs at all between. Uh, 
2007, late 2007 and 2014. Yeah. So it was a long stretch there, and I. Yeah. And you're, but you are right. It's that you know very often he did not cover a news article at all. He didn't talk on anything topical, and because of that, there is a timelessness that is yeah. magnified beyond the timelessness of even talks he did on RBN. Yeah, it's amazing. Those again, there's the man in the mirror. There's one. I think another one of my favorites. One is the. What is it? It starts with brush fires because it's the one where there's a fire, and he's doing he's doing his blurb, and he hears a whoosh, and he goes and looks outside, and the neighbor's uh, property's on fire. There's a bush fire that's just started up, and he has to race out there to, to get a look at it, and then he immediately realizes that the fire, if it continues, is going to burn down the telephone poles and cut his internet connection. <laughs> so everyone's very excited. <laughs> Has to get the blurb uploaded, you know, before anything yeah. else. He tries to get the recording uploaded for that night, you know. Uh, you know, and then it, and then yeah, they they got it under control in the end. But that was that was a, a funny little, yeah. And that and it's just these little details, you know, these little stories and and things that 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 are happening. And and yeah, I I I, I really really enjoyed. All of those talks, I still do. I still listen to them all the time. I, I, this is the era that I just go back to over and over and over again for years now, for for ten years. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I must have listened to some of those dozens of times, literally dozens of times. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. That's yeah. What 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 else did we want to talk about today? Did you? Well, have we 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 didn't say we we said we were just going to start talking and be spontaneous. We have nothing. Um, I liked where you were going there, though about the the surgery bringing you into and then a sense of mortality and then the focus that you have on the things that you want to do in your lifetime. You know what Alan used to say? Um, in the course of the time that I was with him, several friends uh, of his or even just acquaintances, but a couple of good friends passed away. Mm. And there, there were a couple of people that he said, well, her races run or his races run. And it's, mm-hmm. it is, uh, I think, it, the, I don't remember the Bible verse for it, but it is a biblical illusion. But he used to say, this is how you live your life, and especially if you know what you want to do or know what you're trying to accomplish, it is like a race. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it can get easy to get, especially for me personally, it can get easy to 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 get lost in your own head and and get caught up um, with what what I should do and what about this and what about that and I and overthinking it and second guessing everything and mm-hmm. trying to trying to turn it into this big kind of concept, but it, then it just becomes it becomes an abstract thing and there's no there's no uh, yeah there's there's no action and and for me. Um, that has definitely changed. Yeah, you know, it's. I, I. I feel like there's just. I'm running out of time, and I. I just. I'm just. Bang, bang, go, go, go. The time is now for everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's. And you know what? Here's an interesting one. You, you mentioned this with Michael from Sweden as well. The synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Alan. Alan would talk about. He, he at least said, I think, on one or two occasions, he said, when you're experiencing. Con- continuous synchronicities in your life. So obviously we know what we're talking about here and it, probably the audience knows exactly what we mean as well. 
you think of something and it comes up. You, you, the thing that you real, you, you need something and it just appears as provided to you somehow. You know, um, you, you get talking to, to, to somebody completely random and they bring up a topic that you had been, some really weird topic that you had been thinking about earlier in the day or something like that. Mm-hmm. People know what we're talking about here. These things, I think Alan would say that is the, a sign that you're on the right track, that you're doing what you should be doing. Yes, absolutely. He said that. I mean, it, absolutely. I, uh, he has yeah. he has confirmed that that it is a sign. He, another sign, unfortunately, that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing is that all manner of problems are going to start cropping up. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the way the you know I'm not saying that there's a formula or you know something that you plug in, but it does seem that when in your when you are committed, like body, mind, soul, heart, spirit, whatever, you're all in to what you're doing. Um, without getting too woo-woo, forces at work or the way things work, they they, they something pops up and notices, and it's like yeah. uh-uh, we're we're putting you down, and there it can is, really feel that personally. <laughs> Look, I, I, I had, I had this, this experience quite a lot recently. The most, here's the most uh, obvious one. It's kind of interesting. I'm not sure if the audience is interested in any of this, but I'll give you, a, I'll make it quick. What I'm doing at the moment, so well, I work, I have a regular day job as a carpenter joiner, and my, my kind of side project, my hobby that I'm doing at the moment is restoring furniture. Mm. Um, I'm really into mid-century Scandinavian, yeah, I like designer furniture, and it's well, it's basically the most sought-after furniture in the world, really, because that, that particular type, the design is just amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm getting, I'm studying it, and I'm, I'm just buying old things that I know have got potential to be refinished and refurbished and all that kind of stuff. One of the big parts of it is doing shellac. I'm not sure if people know what that is, but it's a very, very um, difficult finish, like a varnish. It's an organic varnish. That, that is used for, for expensive furniture. Basically, it's very, very difficult to use. It's not easy. You have to you have to practice it and study it and think about it and all the rest of it to get all the elements right. And because if, if you don't get it right, it looks terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can. I have wasted hundreds of euros at this point and so many hours having to go back to the drawing board over and over again. It just would not happen. You know, it mm-hmm. would not happen for me. But it's like. On one, it was like, what? What is this going on? Is, is the universe against me here? Because that's what it feels like. That's what mm-hmm. it felt like to a degree. You know, really, like everybody else seems to get this stuff figured sooner or later, and you know, why? Why can't I? So there's these two things. There's, on one hand, I'm getting the right opportunities are coming to me. They're just they're just happening. They're just without too much effort. The work itself is, is extremely difficult and challenging, <laughs> and there's something going wrong with absolutely everything that I do. And so, but the, the funny thing is, is that it doesn't deter me at all, like at all. I don't, I don't, I am at no point did I, did I think about quitting or or doing something else. You know, so that this is this is the being on the right track thing. I think, you know, That's... that 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 Alan was talking about is. Yeah, there's the synchronicities, but also if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will not doubt yourself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I didn't. 
So when I haven't, and I'm not. So that is good, and and I think that you know the the two together, it's almost like you need those two things to be together because the synchronicities and that feeling that you get of being almost buoyed up by synchronicity by mm-hmm. th- that. That is like a sustaining thing when boom, 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 you literally can feel attacks coming at you and problems, are unending problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I found that for you. It's April 19, 2007, Brush Fires, Birds, brush Bees, fires, yeah. and Biochemical Warfare. Yep, that's a good one. So so anybody who's listening, give give that one a, a listen. That's, it's just... It's really fun. It's fun and enjoyable and, and to listen to. I, I really enjoy that one. Uh, now I can see from the topics on that one that he gets into a lot of very interesting things there. Yeah. So le- leaving uh, the hive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot in that one. Yeah. Well, there's something else. Something else that we were talking about the other day, and it's kind of a. It's a, it's a it's an opaque kind of a topic, and it's hard to define what it is we're talking about. But I would say I've noticed increasingly recently people starting to come apart psychologically, and I'm sure a lot of other people have said the same thing, or sorry, seen the same thing. For number one, I mean the, the weather around the world right now is so crazy. You, you've been getting this crazy heat, right, in Texas. We have had. Here, I mean, I'm in northern Germany, so to give people an idea, that's about an hour. We're about an hour away from the Danish border, so the nearest large city to us is, is Hamburg. Berlin is about five hours to the south. Copenhagen is about five hours to the north, northeast. So yeah, that's, we're sort of mid-central, north-central Europe, that kind of an area, and we have been getting nothing but rain and wind and black clouds for about five weeks now, like the exact really? same weather over and over every day, the same weather, it doesn't, it's not changing. Few short breaks now and again, few, a few breaks in the clouds, but very, uh, yeah, quite, quite, quite mild, chilly even at some points, and just constant black clouds. I've seen wind blowing in bo- both directions at the same time. I've seen a thunderstorm shoot across an entire field stop and then shoot back in the other direction again. I've seen a storm go in a circle. You know, it's like I've never seen anything like this. People I'm talking to have never seen anything like this. People who have lived here their whole lives, so it's pretty wild, I've got to say. I think it is probably having an impact on people, uh, you know, because <laughs> it's supposed to be the summer. <laughs> We're supposed to be enjoying it, and we can't. With People are stuck inside the whole time because it's raining, you know. I mean, I've okay. seen. I, so I was going to say, I've, I've keep hearing all these stories about um, about f- like fights breaking out, big brawls on streets and places. And I mean, I'm, uh, I can totally feel that and see it. I mean, we at work the other day, we had, there were two instances, one right after another, where some of the guys got into a big yelling match in the morning, and that's very, very uncommon. That doesn't happen where I work. The, the guys there are very cool, you know, most of the time. But there's yeah, the, a number of guys just totally lost the plot and flipped out big time. Wow! I've seen people flipping out on the street, like just having a, a tantrum, like out of nowhere, for nothing, seemingly at least. So there's a very, very, what's the word? Palpable sense of something, some tension, of of fear, of anger, confusion, insecurity. You know, 
I, I definitely observed that lately. Uh, I don't think the weather's helping, but it's, I think it's probably due to a lot of different things, you know? Well, you mentioned the other day the weather in Italy that, you, mm. that I had not heard about, and that was a lot of lakes that were freezing yeah. in, in the middle of the summertime. One thing that I find interesting, though, is what you're talking about in Germany and with the Italian weird, cold, you know, freezing lakes in summertime. This isn't being covered by the news because it, no. doesn't, it doesn't fit the narrative. What they're doing, what I've seen, is all of the hype about how this is the hottest summer across the world on record, like... You know, I mean, how long have they been keeping records? But the, the, even with the way that they're hyping it up here in Texas, they're saying this may turn out to be the hottest summer in Texas history and so on. Well, yeah, it was a little unusual to have three weeks of those, um, you know, extremely hot days in June. But for it to be hot, 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 it is just not uncommon. This is the way it is here. Yeah, well, we we know how that game works, and we know that this is we're we are into it now with the the full spectrum warfare right across the board. And I think you know we once one of those things we can can we prove it objectively speaking that the these crazy weather events are being engineered and created? No, not necessarily. But come on, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know why why wouldn't they? You know why wouldn't they? They can. They've said they're going to do it. You know, so why wouldn't they be doing it now to get what they want, which is to, as we know, bring in all the greening, get the public off the road into their 15-minute cities, eventually eliminate private vehicle ownership. Who kn people, know, people know what the agenda is. I don't need to go through it all here again, but, yeah, that's no, what's you're, going on. Uh, yeah, you're, you are right. I mean, it, and it, it, it is a almost seamless segue into this. It's a... It feels like an operation. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It, yeah, exactly. It's exactly how I felt about it. Because you see these things are happening uh, at, at the same time around the world, different different forms of extreme weather in, in two different continents. You know what I mean? You're, you're looking at potentially something co coordinated here. That, that This is the next push. And as you say, we the COVID thing is as good as dead and gone now. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about that anymore. I even went into the to the doctor's surgery the other day, and they had removed all of the plastic barriers, all the, the screens. Yes, I had to go to the bank a couple of weeks ago, and they had taken the plastic barriers down. And I commented on it, and she said yes, and, and that was it. She just said yes. You're right; they're not there. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I um, there was I think there was two places. I can't remember. There was a doctor's office, and there was somewhere else. And I can't. I can't remember where, but yeah, the the, the plastic barriers gone, and I, I I think from memory, I think I commented on it as well. Oh, that's right. I went obviously went to the pharmacy afterwards, and they were gone there as well. And they'd been like that, but that was three years they'd been there. Mm -hmm. So, and I um I think I, I commented on it and said that it was how nice it was, and uh, the woman I think just smiled, you know, from memory. Didn't say anything. She just sort of smiled. So who knows what that means? But I thought it was. And it was a it was it was a pleasant surprise to be honest to put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought well, it was nice. Before I forget it, when you're talking about the moods, you know, remember how Alan would give that he would talk about how 
oh, you might be able to remember the guy's name. It's it just went it was in my head and now it's totally gone. But this was after nine eleven. He mm. was big in the Bush cabinet, and on that day he talked about things that could be sprayed, like sedatives. Right, I think that name? was that was that was Rumsfeld at that point. It was so Rumsfeld. Was Thank you, Secretary yeah. of Defense. You know, yeah, yeah, I it think. was Rumsfeld. So well, was it? So I think was he was he it was Defense or Secretary of State? No, no, Powell was protective. Uh, yeah, whatever. One of the two, Rumsfeld or Powell. I think. It doesn't yeah. matter. I don't yeah, need to. <laughs> but you know, he, he was yeah. up there. But I, w you know, one of the things about Alan, he he had a, I don't know if it was photographic or not, but his memory was incredible. And if he heard something or saw something, he just didn't forget it, and he could recall it. Now he used to record things on VHS. He had this tiny television, it was, you know, still there when I was there, and it had rabbit ears, and it almost never got used for anything at all, except if he wanted to play an old VHS tape for some reason, and it, because it had a VHS player in it. But he had a couple of boxes of things that he had taped over the years, and so sometimes he would just pop something in if he heard a news cast mm, that sounded mm. interesting and he would just start recording it well there were things that that he has said or he, he has quoted that i've never been able to confirm or find the reference or you know you know what i'm saying and i look and yeah, I, look and I, I, I know that, that there's a yeah. memory hole i know that things go down the memory hole yeah, but definitely. this thing of rumsfeld saying that we can spray sedatives from the sky to calm people it would just be so great if that was something that I could pull up and go, ah ha ah ah, there you go. But yeah, if they can calm people, then I mean, yeah. in other words, I don't need to do confirm Alan. If yeah, they can do the opposite, they can make them anxious and and anxiety ridden and antsy. Uh, you know, if if Alan heard it, he heard it. That's it. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think that's what's going on. Yeah, I, um, I, had, I thought about that a lot on Friday, I think it was. Obviously, I, you know, when, when we get a break in the clouds here, there's, there's plenty of spraying going on. I don't know if it's heavier than, than usual. It, I would say it has been quite heavy this year on the whole. But, of course, you know, um, why wouldn't they? And also, there's been moments where I've, had to, I've found myself getting really agitated and I've had to really, really work at keeping my cool. You know, being out in public, being on the road. We had a, we had a, a car accident a few months ago on the, on the autobahn, basically, because somebody wasn't paying attention. Mm. And um, I'm not sure if I told you about that, but yeah, they, they, we were okay, but the car was a goner. It's just, I mean, I really see it now. Maybe, maybe I'm paying more attention, but... People are like super, super aggravated on the road, or they are they're asleep at the wheel and shouldn't be in charge of a motor vehicle at all. Because the stuff that I'm seeing out there now on the roads is crazy. Yes. Just, just, just like what the hell is really, you know? People are, are asleep at the wheel, or they're so aggressive that they are. I mean, it's putting really putting people's lives in danger. You know, cra mm -hmm. crazy, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it does make you wonder. It really does. You know what it reminds me of? There was a scene. There was an the you know the the, the musician Prince, 
-hmm. He died, you know, died about, I think, 2016. Can I play this guitar? He said a few interesting things over the years. He was an interesting character. He had a, something of a grip on, on, the, on the system and the agenda, some understanding of it. And I remember there was one TV interview he did where he's talking about how, why isn't everybody talking about the chemtrails? Because he's talking about planes flying low over his area when he was growing up and even as an adult, I think. And then all of a, all of a sudden, everybody's fighting and it doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. he said that uh, I can't remember I, I can't remember his exact words but the point he was making was like this he, he saw this growing up planes spraying over the going over the neighborhood spraying stuff and making people go crazy You know, so yeah. Yeah, you know, there have been a, um, a few. I wish I could think of the the titles of them off the top of my head, but I think there was one called the Crazies. Uh, that had, that had, but I, that might not have been spraying, but there was one that I'm going to look for. I believe I saw years ago with Alan, and I think it was called Return in Red. Okay. Um, but obviously it was such a low-budget movie that it's not coming up. But, the, but this was based on a study that was actually done. This is another thing that I know, I've got it on a hard drive somewhere, the actual news story. Um, wow, okay. I, I, I have it on a USB stick or something, but, but it is about a study that they did. I think it might have been in Maine or Massachusetts. But this is, this is less spraying than magnetic, electromagnetic frequencies, but they do work together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, okay, here it is. It's from 2007. It was pretty low budget, as I recall, and it was called Return in Red. Uh, certain, elect certain electromagnetic frequencies can cause mental disruption in human beings, and now someone has decided to put that to the test on the people of a small town. Used as guinea pigs, the citizens find their lives turned upside down in a terrifying nightmare that will haunt your mind long after the chilling climax. <laughs> so, yeah, um, okay. But, but this was done on a study, and uh, based on a study, I think, that was actually done, like I said, in that town. And um, in that town, it wasn't just the frequencies. This, the members of the town remember something being sprayed from this guy. Wow, right. And I know that I, I know what we're talking about gets kind of far out, but I remember a few years ago, um, Alan had a listener from the, the one of the southern states in the US who sent him something that he, he said he really believed that this was frequencies. He said he didn't notice at all of the time, but there had been a period of about three days in his area where people were driving 
crazy. He had just driving with rage, um, doing really weird things, or just sitting at a stop sign for like forever and not moving. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. I gotta tell you too that this. I wish uh, I, I could have documented it, but I was at the gas pump about three weeks ago, which is a, a it's a set of pumps that are in front of a very large grocery store but set far, pretty far away. So it's the pumps, then the parking lot, then the grocery store. And on the other side of the pumps is the main street. And then across the street, there are several shops and businesses. Mm -hmm. So I was standing in line because I like to use cash whenever I can. I was standing in line behind three or four other people to pay for the gas. And I heard the, the squeal of brakes and just this crazy bang, and of and it was like right there where I was. So right. I spun around to see what was going on, and I couldn't see it. There was no uh, accident on the main street. There was there was no pileup, no collision, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulder. And the man behind me said, "The pizza shop." I said, "What?" And he said, "A car just drove into the pizza shop at high speed." And I looked across the street, and sure enough, yeah. there was a car that was halfway through the wall of the pizza shop, and and we were all just kind of standing there in disbelief. This um, this has been happening a lot in New Zealand, a lot. Really? Um, yeah, I get I get this from um, family. I, I talk to my auntie quite a lot, and she has been saying that ever since a certain injection was rolled out, basically. There's a new, there's a situation every day now where somebody drives off a bridge into a river on their own or drives into a shop or into a house or into a lake or into the sea or off a, you know, or, or, or into the opposing lane. You know what I mean? For no mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. You know, and a, and a lot of these are happening when there's nobody else around. You know what I mean? There's a happening on like, on sort of, you know, big long sort of like, uh, interstate type roads between cities and that kind of thing as well, you know, in New Zealand and, Completely inexplicable. Bus drivers. I saw two stories about a bus driver who, who, in, in New Zealand, who was driving and doing a school bus route. Mm -hmm. One of one of them, one of them just about drove off a bridge, in a, like at a big, big inner city in, uh, junction. You know what I mean? Like with a with a with a bus full of kids, this guy somehow mm -hmm. ended it. I get the first two wheels hanging off the side of a bridge, like a movie. Like you know what I mean? Like one of these Hollywood movies or something. Have you looked at any of the work of the Canada, the doctor from Canada named William Mackis, Dr. William Mackis? No, I don't think I have. Nope. I've, I've mentioned him a couple of times, but it's, it's interesting because it basically he's, he's a doctor, but he's like a news aggregator now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's putting his analysis and he's tracking things and he's going on talks and doing interviews and, and, you know, sharing his medical opinion. And I can't remember now what his qualifications are, but I think he's worked in the fields of uh, oncology and immunology. Um, hopefully I'm not making that up. But he collates or aggregates stories that are very specific to a certain kind of death, and I look at them, and I, I have to tell you, I look at them every day, and it is troubling. It is 
sad. But here's the one that just came in this morning. Young teachers, um, COVID-19 vaccinated, and I'm just going to say that because this obviously talk won't go up everywhere. Young teachers who died suddenly during January, February of 2023, 15 sudden deaths examined. And I can just scroll down um, my email and look at them. Here is, oh no, that was a treatment. It looks like I actually archived him the other day because there were so many. So he was talking about brain aneurysms in the archives now. People who died suddenly from an aneurysm. Now what you're talking about here are events that can happen publicly when you're behind the wheel. He did a whole thing. He's, he's actually done two or three installments of bus drivers who've lost control while driving a busload of children or mm -hmm. people. Um, he's done you name it, like boxers who died in the ring suddenly, but these aren't where they got knocked out, they just dropped. Wow. You know, it covers it all. I mean, this is pregnancy, women dying suddenly after giving birth, cardiac arrest, young women are dropping dead everywhere, at the airports, on buses, at a bar, having dinner, coffee, in the shower, hiking. So, if this... This is a man, like I say, his his credentials are solid. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if people are actually seeing this, because what he includes with this, it's tragic, it's heartbreaking. These will be screenshots of somebody's Instagram or Twitter or, in, or you know, Facebook, where they're describing what happened to their loved one. Some people are cognizant of what is going on. Some people are not. Some people are saying publicly that they, they can connect the fact that their loved one was vaccinated and two weeks later they dropped dead. Or they had, you know, some of these are, he's, one of the ones that he did yesterday was prion disease. Kurtzfeldt. Right. Yep. And I right. remember early on, more than a year ago, hearing some lectures on people who were showing prion chains within the vaccine. And here you right. go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, he just sent one out yesterday where he is exploring 14 prion deaths. And these are, you know, it's incurable. And there are several stories in that aggregation where someone says, yes, my wife was vaccinated. And two weeks later, she was dead. This, um, the prion thing, it's funny. My, um, Dell Bigtree had a couple of people on, at least one woman, a very, very highly qualified, um, yeah, she was a PhD in biomedical sciences anyway, and she was talking about this, the vaccine uh, and its interaction with this, this prion disease, this, this, this degeneration. I don't understand it that well, to be honest. My girlfriend understands it better than I do. She talked to, I think, yeah, her mother is a, is actually a pathologist and they, she talked to her about it and got a, a sort of a, a scientific explanation of it. And she was basically telling me, and again, I'm not good with this, this stuff because it's, I, it's not my, not my speciality, but this was the most likely candidate for crazy changes in behavior. For emotional instability and all for these, uh, yeah, these sudden death scenarios where it's, you know, like, yeah, like, like aneurysm related, you know, or something like that, or, well, or with, bra with brain the, blood clots or something. 
with the prions, someone, I just pulled up Macus' site here. This is a, a couple in California, and I just have to say, I think this is an Instagram or a Twitter, but this is such a lovely couple. I mean, they're just beautiful people, and they're standing in front of the ocean, and the man is discussing his wife who passed away, and he said, I hardly feel this is necessary because of the immense outpouring of love and support for my family, but for those who may not know yet, let me share some very sad news. Dawn, my beautiful and loving wife of over 40 years, was diagnosed with Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, a prion disease, just two weeks ago. It's extremely rare, less than 300 diagnosed in the U.S. per year, literally one in a million. It's a sporadic mutation of a protein. So here is how it works. It's a sporadic mutation of a protein that folds in on itself. And then it systematically and exponentially causes all other proteins to fold in the brain. So you can understand that when that is happening, the, your, your brain stops functioning normally. And that is going to affect you. That is going to be long-term and short-term memory, emotions, etc., etc. Now, I'm not saying that this is widespread, fallout like this may still be quite limited, but I, I, I think the kinds of injuries that are being documented, many of them have uh, the ability to greatly affect mood and compounding that. If, you're, if you've lost a loved one and you know that you have absolutely no forum or recourse for dealing with that, how does that make you feel? What do you do? And for I can't are, even imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that. It's it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely tragedy. And it is, and I, you know, like I said, I make myself look at them and read them every day because, you know, it's a horror show. But I'm not turning away. That's yeah. That's the, the voluntary suffering that we have to do to stay human. Because yeah. if you turn away, then you'll turn away from the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not pleasant. It, it isn't no. pleasant. I mean, you know, the the man goes on to say, you know, I, I they were a Christian couple, so he's he's testifying to that. But I mean, it, it, may, it literally it makes me want to cry when I read these stories, you know, day in and day out. Each one of them, they're just heartbreaking. No matter, you know, what, whether they know what happened or don't know what happened, you're looking at tragedy on a scale like we've ever seen. And how could it be otherwise than for people to be losing their minds? And remember, Alan said the hardest thing to do will be to hang on to your sanity. That's, and he's right, and I remember, you know, like, what was the, the, the exact words he used in that moment were, were, hold on to your hat, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I had those words echoing in my head on Friday when I'd witnessed, like, a lot of aggro, a lot of crazy driving, a lot of, a lot of stress, and just people being unhinged, and it starts to affect you, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing, you, you've got to be really, really centered within yourself, 
uh, to not get swept up in that, you know? It's, it's like, yeah, so <laughs> hold, hold on to your hat. Because yeah. this, this to me, and I'm, it, yeah, it, 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 it it gives me that 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 intuitive sense of feeling like we might be on the cusp of another roller coaster ride here, you know. Well, it's it seems that it, that one of the ways in which this cabal works is to keep the crises mounting, going and going and going. Uh, 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 just there's no laying off. They mm -hmm. they never slow yep. down because that is what um, that is what really keeps you going. Uh, I mean, keeps you off kilter. Okay, keeps you off center. It's like yeah, Alan always used to make the analogy of you've got a um, once you, once the herd has been grazing happily in a pasture, they, they, they don't want to move. They want to stay there. But if you can keep them in a state of um, keep them unsettled. Then they're, they're they're much more fluid. They're much more easy to manipulate. And of course, giving people giving the public one crisis after another. Mm -hmm. And there's a and there is a certain sense of there is a science to it. There there is. I've heard people talk about the fact that you cannot simply overlay one crisis after the other. You have to have back off periods as well. Mm -hmm. It actually works in your it works to the advantage of the controls to back off now and again. Yes. Um, to not just keep going. So we do get these little breaks, but those are strategic breaks. And now it looks as if we, like we said at the beginning there, we've come out of the COVID thing. The, we had a segue, which was the war in Ukraine, which was basically take all the public's questions, anger, indignation, disillusionment over the last two, three years of COVID and project it onto Putin, you know? Mm -hmm. So you had that little segue, um, a little bait and switch, um, with the Ukraine thing, and now, yeah, I mean, look, that's old news. No one cares anymore. So, into back to the climate, you know. Back you to know, the the, uh, the, you 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 just brought up something that Alan in this talk that I that I just posted Sunday Redux. Alan was talking about crises and how people are unaware of what's happening. And he said, but as I say, most folks struggle through life. They struggle through life never really knowing for sure where they're headed. And they, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they think and they're taught to think that crises just appear suddenly out of nowhere, like wars and things like that, and financial crashes on a massive scale. And they have no idea that these are planned in years in advance, years in advance, and yeah. lots of evidence to this factor, too. But he said the, uh, the present media just plays along with the politicians, and they pretend that it's just happening now, and the politicians are there to solve the problems. And that... I had my own kind of crystallized moment as I was working on a piece that I was writing for that Redux of how you look at players, certain players that have been involved in aspects of this agenda for many, many years, and you can see, you can actually catch them out in the long-term planning of this. You know, one example would be Henry Kissinger. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a talk that he did with Klaus Schwab last year for the World Economic Forum gathering. Yeah. And they were talking about the war in Ukraine. And I was yeah. listening to this. I mean, first of all, it was just painful to listen to. And it wasn't about the accents or anything like that. It was because 
what they do in these public forums, at these public events, is they just lie, 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 lie. And it becomes so obvious that it's painful to hear. It's actually painful to hear because they want to present this to the public exactly the way that Alan just explained, like it's just happening. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the, um, the the place where people get stuck, and there's there are so many people out there, especially on YouTube, who have anointed themselves as dissidents and truth seekers and and rebels and what what have you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the place where people get stuck over and over again, the little authorized bubble in which all of that exists is basically the idea that this is happening in real time that it's, yes. it's 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 just a simple simple case of of yeah stimulus response thesis antithesis whatever however you want to look at it it's that that that's yeah that that it, that it's just un, it's it's an unfolding thing and people are reacting in real time and and um they use the word capture as well like our institutions have being captured mhm like okay, okay, when, why, by who, for mm-hmm. how long? Mm-hmm. No, we don't ask those questions. No. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like they 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 presume that the system as it is is like some kind of force of gravity, like Alan would say, that money is just there and government is just there and it's good and it's it's what we want and we want democracy and democracy works. But these people, they just stole it really recently. Yes. You know what I mean? And if we can just get these, these nasty people to, to play nice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If we can just get the governments who lie and lie and lie and murder and cover it up and distract and then do some more murdering and some more lying, well, we, we need to get those people to, to start being, being a bit nicer to us. Yes. That's literally what it comes down to yeah, absolutely. in the mainstream. We just need to get these people to, to, to do their jobs and stop being, stop being incompetent and stop being nasty, you mm-hmm. know? That is the authorized narrative, you know. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is ridiculous. Bill Cooper said something that that Alan pointed out to me, and Alan used kind of a paraphrased idea of this. But Bill Cooper said, you know, peop- when when do you want to get back to? Yeah, exactly. Alan would always say that. Yeah, and Alan right. would say that too. And you know, he said that, that is a very good point that Cooper was making. When do you want to get back to? And there's is a little it, bit of. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just yeah, <clears throat> there's a there's a point within a point there, which is absolutely fascinating. And I don't know if Bill said it as well, but Alan certainly did. And he said, "Well, people are always wanting to get back to to the good old days." And we say, well, when, when were the good old days? And you say, well, actually, everybody's got their own version of what the good old days were. For me, it's the 90s. For somebody else who's a bit older, it's going to be the 80s. For somebody else, the 70s and whatever, so on and so forth. And the reason for that is because the good old days are simply the time in your life before you had any responsibilities and stresses. That's it. That's it. It is no thing. We, are, we, are already, we have already, always been in this, in this process of transition. You know what I mean? And so That's Alan's right. saying... You want to get back to, to what exactly and why and, you know, so, and what you're really what you're really saying is just want to, you want to stop the clock and or reverse it to a particular decade that suits you 
better. Yes. That's, that's what it's already saying, you know. That, that's right. And no solution. You know, another thing, remember, Alan would always say, history is a horror show. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? What, what it means is there were no good old days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, history yeah. is a horror show. Yeah, and 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 for me, I, if I if I can think about the '90s and how those were my good old days, well, they weren't for everybody, anybody else. I mean, you know, for my parents and people above them, they were incredibly stressful, <laughs> stressful times. You know, um, with a lot a lot of heartbreak and sorrow and things going wrong, and we had we had wars in the world, we had everything. You know, um, mm -hmm. so again, we come back to this idea that that gets. Promoted in the in the authorized mainstream, it's like the yeah, we we got a it's ju it just got captured now, and we just need to get it back to the good old days of when it worked, and they never define what that is. And somehow, and part of it is navel gazing. It's always looking at your nation. Now, I'm not I am not bashing the idea of a nation or a certain boundary or a group of people. But one of the beautiful things about the way that Alan's mind worked was that he could get himself to transcend time and space and geography by always rising above and seeing the big picture. Always mm -hmm. being able to go back in time and see something. And because of that, he knew enough to actually be disgusted when people would just continue to go back to that default position, continue to go back to that default position, because what what is implicit in that default position is that you, you what you're saying is, I don't care how hard my parents had it or how hard my grandparents had it. I don't care how hard they have it in Africa. I don't care how hard they have it in the Middle East. I don't care. I want yeah, my nice good old days. Yeah, it's total narcissism. I want totally. my good old days. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, I'm, it's, it's, I, you know, I mean, don't, back to the bigger point there of people losing it. Is there some extra heightened something in the air, either geoengineering cocktail? something that was in the bad batch, so to speak. Is mm. there something that is being unleashed and, you know, I can't document this, I don't know, I can only go by what I observe and say, I, I, I believe that I'm seeing a heightened anxiety in people mm -hmm. that I have to deal with out and about. Uh, well, yeah, I'm certainly seeing it and... Um as as Alan would say often, we we really are living in the past in terms of uh, our understanding of science, technology, and and control factors. You know, we are we are we're in, totally in the dark as to as to the true methods and technologies that are out there that as far as far as we can deduce are and have been used on on the general public. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean this stuff this stuff exists. Why would they not? We are in, we're in total warfare. You're going to use everything you can that you can get away with, at least. That's, you know, it's always a, towards a risk-benefit ratio analysis, but, yeah, you're going to do anything you, you, that you can. I mean, there was another, yeah, I mean, 
it just reminded me of this, this, this other experiment which was declassified, and this is a bit different, but this was during the Cold War where the British government, the British military, was spraying chemical weapons, chemical warfare weapons yes. uh, across a whole bunch of states in southeast England. Yeah. You know, and they admitted to that in the end, decades later. And, of course, you've got people, you've got whole families being taken out with esophage, uh, throat cancer. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Whole families, generation after generation after generation of people just dying of, of throat cancer all over the place. And, and, and of course they say, oh, it had nothing to do with our, our, <laughs> the fact that we sprayed chemicals into the atmosphere and didn't tell you about it for like 20 years. You know, they have nothing to do with it. But that's where people are at a lot of the time, unfortunately. It's the same with the vaccine. There are still people out there now, right now, who, despite all the evidence to the contrary, believe that, that it was, uh, it's, that it's a lifesaver and that it was safe and effective. Absolutely. You know? yeah. The truth they, is, is just a little too hard for some people, I guess. You know. They well, well, it's you know, you can I can understand that in in a way because the ego is it has the basically its job is to protect you to protect your identity mm-hmm. and to say to admit a mistake that grave. To admit that you might have done that much grievous harm to yourself or allowed it to happen to your loved ones, to be able to admit that, yeah, I, I know there are some people that have admitted that, but... Um, I know some, yep. Yeah. They're, they're going to be few and far between. That was July 19 on the Redux I put up, short-term, short-term memory that Alan mm-hmm. covered in great detail the British program of chemical and biological warfare trials during the Cold War. If anybody, anybody that wants to go back to that one short-term memory on the website. Yeah, there's, and if people, I don't know if it's been scrubbed, but there's a, there was actually a, I think, uh, there was a, a documentary, a UK documentary. It might have been for the BBC or Channel 4, I can't remember. Um, but I think it was like two, 2000... Three, two thousand five, some, something like that. You know, you know. Just it reminded me of something else, which I'm just going to throw in here. There is a footage, a piece of footage I found about ten years ago, twelve years ago, and it was actually a, a Council on Foreign Relations committee, uh, yeah, open forum on on geoengineering. And there was a, a clip. There was a clip in that where the guy who was hosting the conference. And I'm not sure, I can't remember his name. I can't, it might have been Richard Haas. It might have been the chairman, actually. As far as I'm aware, he was the chairman at that time. And he admitted on camera that there is an enormous amount of money being spent on making sure that the general public are completely and utterly confused and in the dark about what's really going on. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I did a little documentary about chemtrails ages ago just for YouTube, and it's in that, so I can send it to you if you'd like. Oh, yeah. And people, be people, great. Can yeah. There, people can then look it up, because he's admitting right then, this is again, this is the, 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 the slip of the tongue or the speaking, speaking up with a forked tongue, the bureaucratic speak where they, 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 they're just, they're saying, they're telling you a truth at one side of the mouth while kind of denying it with the other. You know, it's the whole thing with the geoengineering and the, the spraying. It's like, oh, well, we're, we're researching it and, and we, we, we might have to experiment with it. And yeah, okay, there are some cases where it's being done, but it's also not happening at all. And we're not going to talk about it in relation to what's really going on with the weather. 
Okay, now here no. this will be. I just looked that up while you were talking, and um, of course that's been debunked. Okay, so it's it's on a it's debunked on a site called Metabunk, and <laughs> so what it was was it was a CIA director admits chemtrails, geoengineering, and stratospheric aerosol injection, and he was doing it at a speech. It was John O. Brennan at the Council on Foreign Relations. Now what they're not. Oh, it was what they're not telling me is when this speech was. I'm not seeing that here, but there are some links in there. And here's the debunking. They say that if you listen to the entirety of it or read the transcript, he's talking about future technologies. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just going to say I, I look forward to what you send me. I'm going to say that what Alan would say about the way that they speak when they speak mm -hmm. publicly, he said you must learn how to listen to what is really being said. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself certain questions like, how does this fellow? know with such certainty what can be done in the future if the technology hasn't already been uh, applied. If it's and, not yeah, exactly. And if it's not being done, why are they spending so much money on trying to make sure that nobody in the public understands it? Yes. Yeah. Understands what is there to understand and why right. is it so important that they don't understand it if it's not happening? Yeah. You see, this is the... This is, you know, for, for people like us, these are the obvious questions that need yeah. to be asked, but you know what I mean? But, but uh, apparently for a lot of other people, um, that's good enough, you know? Well, because, we know, you know, John Brennan of the CIA is the good shepherd, right? Yeah, okay, so he's going to tell you that he's, he's, going to, he's going to admit to you that he's trying to confuse you and then say that there's nothing to see here. Yeah. You know, so it's like this is, again, this is the mind, the, the, the cognitive dissonance, the, the truth in plain sight, the, yeah... Yeah, it it, it, made, it makes me wonder. Actually, this is just kind of segueing back onto the onto the vaccine thing. I mean, we 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 knew right out the gate in 2020, we had the big conspiracy, the so-called conspiracy movement starting up. It's big, big time in Germany, especially, but also in the UK, with David Icke, with Robert F. Kennedy, and the, and and one of the things that came out right at the beginning was like, oh. It's all to do with 5G, and the, the, you're gonna, they're going to get the get you to take the injection, and then they're going to switch on. They're going to activate it with the 5G mm -hmm. frequencies or something mm -hmm. like that. There was a big one that was promoted to the hilt right off the bat in 2020. Yep. So I was very, very skeptical of that. But then you wonder, well, maybe there's maybe that's not so so far away from the truth because maybe that's the best way to really hide the truth. You know what I mean? Is to is to put it out there in plain sight and because it is so crazy and extreme no one's gonna no one's gonna really believe it you know mm -hmm. all the people all the people who like to think of themselves as being rational and reasonable will stay away from that they won't they won't research it people will laugh at it so I think you're, I think you're on to something there Adam and the reason why is you always have to look at who is putting what out when right yeah. now what we know about 5g is that the, that they're going to be rolling out 6G in just a few years, and if you look in the on the geek sites, you're already reading a lot of white papers. There's a lot of stuff about 6G, and mm -hmm. 6G, from what I can piece together, basically, this will allow 
like the widespread use of a lot of the technologies that they've been talking about, like augmented reality, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. but and and more than that, you know, I'm not a, a geek, but um, when you look at what at who is saying, oh, look at 5G, look at 5G. Is it the usual suspects, or is it people who have put out information before that blended a little bit of fact and fantasy so that they could discredit? You see, that is what disinfo oh, is. Of course. Absolutely. It's discrediting the, the truth. And so, yes, I stayed away. You know, that the 5G stuff was still, that was um, already presented when Alan was alive, yes, we stayed away from that for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons, yeah. But yeah. it doesn't mean that it is that there's not some truth in it. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, of course these are the games. You know, the, the, this is counterintelligence games. Is that even for the smart and discerning minds, you're never going to know for sure because you can look at it from like three or four multiple angles simultaneously, and it could be it could be nonsense. It could be truth. It could have an element of truth in it. I mean, you know, more often than not, you tend to. I tend to find that that there's at least an, an element of truth in some of these crazy things. If not, you know, it, it's just that they're, they're sort of being presented. It's the way they're presented and, and encapsulated, which is totally, yeah. Anyway, well, um, these are. I mean, there are. There are. I'm not going to say these, but there are authorized, big named conspiracy theorists and there are authorized big name so-called dissidents or you know yeah, alternative yeah. people who are supposedly championing on your behalf but they're authorized voices so when they jump on something and they get all over it I just go hey, I'm gonna take a beat here and I like yeah. to I, I mentioned what Alan uh, I mentioned recently what Alan said is we can't know everything. And because we can't, yeah, <laughs> because we can't know everything, it's really good to keep the ego in check, to not need certainty that you understand what is going on and exactly the mechanism of it. For me, it's enough to know that there is a eugenics depopulation program at work, and I think that if, that if you read the dusty old books, that's plain, that's clear. Yeah, clear, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, and there, there is... Um, what you're saying right there is very is very important, um, and I, I exercise in that all the time as much as I possibly can to 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 just remind myself that you know what, perhaps I don't know it as as much as I think I do, you know, and perhaps I'm wrong about this, and it's not because of any particular facts or anything like that. It's just a healthy thing to do, I think, you know, mm-hmm. um, because as as you say, well, as Alan said, we can't know everything. We can't be right about everything. There will be at least some degree of what we think we know, which maybe isn't that accurate. Mm-hmm. How much? Well, who who the hell knows? But but you have to accept that that that's there, you know, and it's, that's a healthy thing to do, you know. Totally. I, I, I think especially when you're talking about, you know, he, he Alan would talk about the three levels of science, mm, and yeah. I I can't remember now who it was that said was it Arthur C. Clarke or maybe somebody before him that but that said that the technologies, the high sciences will appear like magic yeah. to people who don't have scientific training. And so for me, the, the combination of those two ideas is enough to give me a little, little bit of humility around 
technology and science and, and, and this kind of warfare because I don't know. I can't look at it under a microscope. I can't measure it. I, I, I have no laboratory. I can try to put two and two together, but I'm not going to take some talking head on the Internet as gospel truth. No, absolutely, of course not. No. And we, 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 we really are in the age now of information warfare that you can't, you can't really take anything for granted. <clears throat> you, know? Um, you know, it's funny, it just reminded me, I was having a conversation with my colleague the other day at work, and we were on our break, sitting in the car in the van, and he was talking. He started talking about the Ukraine situation, and I can't remember what I said, but I sort of said something along the lines of, "Yeah, I'm I'm not really buying into any of that in any big way. I don't know what's going on there, but I don't trust it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I don't think that any kind of analysis." in any kind of conventional way is going to give you any real understanding of this, you know, because it's, a, I think it's, a, it's what's happening here is happening on, on so many multiple dimensions at the same time. And it, it doesn't really have much to do with conventional warfare as you would think it, you know? And he, he just, it was amazing because I mean, I don't know what I expected from him, but you know, it went straight over his head and he got his phone out and started showing me, like, oh, here's, here's this line here, and they have to, the Russians are trying to advance here, and the Ukrainian <laughs> army is trying to do that, and that means that, and he's, and he's talking about, like, you know, numbers and, and guns and military strategy and, and showing me a little video clip of, mm-hmm. of a helicopter or something. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you got me a, ho- a whole bunch of dramatic words. You've got a little article there, and you've got a photo. What have you got? You've got a, a little article in a photo of a helicopter. And I'm looking at that thinking this, this helicopter could be anything. This could, footage could be five years old. It could be a training footage. It could be, you know what I mean? That there's a, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take anything, anything for granted. All I've known is since that whole thing started, it has stank to high heaven. And none of the stuff I've seen has left me convinced that it is anything like what they're saying it is. Yeah. I, I I've seen plenty of devastation, seen plenty of devastation, but from, so what, from when, from where, because of what, mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. is everything, that's, you know what I mean, and this, there was, we, we all saw these photos where, like, it was like cars flipped upside down on streets and, and piles of rubble, except, like, all the windows in the apartments hadn't been blown out somehow, and, you know, just stuff which doesn't make any sense, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, you remember that one that Alan liked to mention um, the, about the news that it was a show, a fictional show in the UK in like 1967 or so. Um, Newsbenders, that was it. Okay, all right. You, oh, no, got, no. Oh, oh, goodness. Oh, you've got to go watch that. Okay, it's all a right. new, it's Newsbenders, right. and this one, this episode, because there were. I'm not sure if News Vendors was the name of this show. It might have been like an episode of a bigger show. But if you put in News Vendors and Donald Pleasance, you will find it. Adam, this is going to blow you away when you see it because they get the brain chip in there and everything. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But what you've got is is what appears to look like a a brotherhood or some kind of Masonic-like organization. And they're bringing this guy in to the know, uh, 
one way or the other. You know, he's going to go there willingly or, or else. But what he's being shown is that the news is completely staged. And yep. they have... They have models of things like rockets that are going to the moon or whatever. And I think the moon landing was one of them because, you know, it was 1967. So, But the, but it, it was showing you the staged quality of the news. And it was a, a fictional piece, right? Yeah. And the, another fictional piece is Wag the Dog. Oh, of course, yeah. Know that but, one well, yeah. You know. Um, and that's a good one too. But the thing that I always wondered now, listen, li here's just something to think about. In television, and I, it probably works this way in every country's television industry, but in television on a drama, those shows, whether there's 12 of them or 20 of them, the story arcs where they're going through the year. That's going to be mapped out before they start writing the first script. So they have an arc of where the show is going to go over that year. And okay. then, yeah, and then they start writing them. And for a drama, you, let me say that you would have one, you'd have a script done a month or six weeks before it was going to be shot, before it was going to be filmed. Well, Riddle me this. How do they manage to have so many topical references in shows that were scripted months sometimes before they aired? And they yep. seem to coincide with what is going on. Or they just happen to be able to talk about the flu season and how harsh it is. And a fictional show that is going to have some actual so-called real news in there that's talking about how bad the flu season is this year yeah hey look you're, you're preaching to the converted there <laughs> it's like i remember a couple of couple of years ago uh where, no yeah it was right before COVID started and just as it was starting i was i was sort of hanging out with some friends around the corner they were american too actually but we were we we, we were Ended up watching it, watching a couple of Netflix films like quite late, you know, and we watched two films in a row, which were basically all the all the, the, the main topics and themes were all to do with with bio warfare, with vaccines, um, mm -hmm. with um, what was and then there was a, there was a there was a like you know viruses and stuff like that. There was a a term, um, what was it? It was a term we that we, we, we it came it was bandied about right from the right from the get go with the COVID thing with the, the so the, the 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 mainstream conspiracy stuff. Um, um, biosecurity. Biosecurity mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. So you have films that are that are they're brand new, they are being promoted in the top ten on Netflix. They'd been produced in late two thousand and nineteen and they were talking about biosecurity. And viruses and vaccines and bio and, and like a global lockdown type scenario. Then there was another one we watched. There was a really crazy, stupid, stupid action film with with Chris Hemsworth in it, and it was like it was like one of those video game first person shoot. It was like a video game basically. Mm -hmm. He's just running around with a gun, shooting people the whole time. You know what I mean? Anyway, there's like a scene in that where 
for no apparent reason, he's in India, and it says that the city's on lockdown. And he gets a mask out and puts it on his face. Wow. And it doesn't, it does, it doesn't fit to the, it makes no sense. It makes no sense in the story. And it's so blatant, it stuck out like a sore thumb. And I remember watching that, like, just as the lockdowns were starting and going, okay, if I needed any more, <laughs> if I never yeah. needed any more uh, evidence that it's like, yeah. I think there was one of those moments where we're like, okay, that's it. It's the, this is it. This is the green light. Breathe. <laughs> Hold on to my hat. You know what I mean? It's gonna get. It's gonna get crazy here now. Well, you know, so, some sometime probably in oh, I'd say maybe 2017. I'm gonna. I'm guessing, but somebody sent Alan the British television series called Utopia. That was, oh yeah, yeah, right. two, 2013, 2014, and we watched all of that, and it was very, very interesting. Well, it was a bit too interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they they launched the one in the states based on it in 2020, and everybody was going, "Oh wow, look at that! Wow, look at that!" Well, no, the real wow was that the British one was done in 2013. And actually. <laughs> Actually, 2012, because I think it aired in early 2013. So this is this is the way the world works. About a decade, I would say. I've noticed that um, I've noticed quite a, quite a, quite a lot. Um, once we got to 2020, I was looking I was looking back on films from the period of around about 2010 to 2013 and going, wow, that all makes sense now. You know. Mm-hmm. There's so much from that. It's like, it's like a 10-year thing. There's something to do with 10 years, the 10-year gap. It's maybe, it's it's not quite a generation. The time mm-hmm. it takes from a child at 10 years old to get to a, a member of society at 20 who's, who's essentially, made, well, <laughs> supposedly said, uh, making decisions for themselves yes. and living their own lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So some, yeah. there's something, I don't know if that's it. I'm taking a guess, but it's something like that. It's like a 10-year thing. No, that sounds right. Um, and I noticed, yeah, a whole, a whole bunch of, in that era, I would say, yeah, 2010 to 2012, 13, there was a whole bunch of series in the UK that were really getting into some of this stuff. So I haven't actually seen Utopia. I've heard so much about it. Often I can't really bear to watch those things, to be honest with you. Um, well, you but, know, Alan mentioned this in a talk, uh, or maybe he mentioned it a couple of times, but I... I think he cautioned the viewer that there was a lot of violence for the sake of violence. I mean, they just reveled in how yeah. violent it was. So, you know, be warned if you watch it. I haven't seen the American version, but be warned if you watch it. It's brutal. It's a glorification of violence, basically. But the story itself is jaw-dropping when you realize everything that they were putting across that, you know, it's a sterilization program is a big part of it. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, there was a, there was another one from that period called uh, there was uh, Spooks. So that was like a British, yes, yeah, sp- spy drama serial. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was a spin-off of that as well, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was like Spooks something. So it was like yeah, it was like a, it was like a later spin-off of that show dealing with a a younger generation or a different team or whatever it was but mm-hmm. these these were heavy heavy and on that stuff they were big shows they were really big shows in the uk and they were heavy on all the predictive programming elements to do with terrorism and tyranny and bio attacks and 
conspiracy theorists and you name it. It was all rammed in there, you know? All rammed in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the culture industry is a huge, huge, huge part of how our reality is designed. I, uh, I'm actually at the point now where I'm, I'm not watching anything news or, 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 or drama or fiction or anything right now. I, I've intuitively got a sense of extreme discomfort from it. And I wonder that if a lot of the craziness we're talking about is coming from people's heads being messed with, mm-hmm. I, I really do suspect that we're talking. I mean, look, look how fast the culture is moving. How, how fast it's just dis- dis- disintegrating and dissolving. I mean, I was, I'll be, I'll try and be quick and I won't, I'll try not to go into too much detail on this, but I was, I was at a, um, a customer's house the other day doing some work on a renovation and they, he's a, f- uh, a father of a couple of kids and they had a book about sex sitting on the shelf. It was four children and the stuff that's in there, Melissa, you would not believe it. Really? You would not, you would not believe what, what you open, what you see when you open this book. The cartoon. Wow cartoon drawings of gay sex and uh, transgenders this and this is for kids under 12 well it's you know normalization, normalization. i i wanted to, i wanted to be sick i um, thought i was going to say i got so angry and i had to i had to get out I, I left and went for a walk down the road and i thought i was gonna vomit because i've got a six-year-old daughter well not mm-hmm. almost six you know mm-hmm. and i think this is what they've what's waiting for her when she gets to school not on my watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not on my watch. No way. Well, I, I, I mean, I, th- I think a lot can. Children can be protected, and they should be. You yep. know, there is they a lot. To. Yeah, they need to be. I mean, and with popular culture, it's. I, I mean, it's just sort of like anything else that you don't do in your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> we yeah. don't do that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so sad. It's very powerful. It's. I mean, that, that, that was kind of an, a little anecdote. It's a bit of an aside. I thought I'd bring it up anyway, but because it t- relates to all of this. And I mean, I've, I'd heard about these things, of course. I'd seen all the outrage on the internet with with whoever it happens to be, whether it's it's um, it's Jordan Peterson or it's Stephen Crowder or these these authorized heroes are talking about this type of stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. But to see it you for yourself, to re- to hold the book in your hands and read it, is just it's something else. It's like wow, we're this is really happening, you know? Oh, it's happening, and it is really. I mean, the, it was several years ago that in Canada there were some cases where the courts made it clear that the parents were going to be criminally charged if they didn't use the right pronouns or if they tried to stay in, stand in the way of the child beginning to do some kind of a, a hormonal changes in their body. So that this was, this was a, these were legal precedents being set at that time some years back. And you're now seeing that in the States. I don't know what, you know, interestingly, um, I've been following a little bit of the news in Sweden, and I'm interested to see that Sweden is doing some of the biggest pushbacks there against the agenda. 
I, I really? Yeah, uh, which is wow. just, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm gobsmacked too on that one. That is very bizarre. But I think that there was a thing recently in Sweden, or, uh, in recent times, where they have said, we've got to slow down on pushing the the actual hormonal changes and surgical reassignment component to um, children. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, who, who was you? You were talking to somebody recently, and I can't remember who. It might have been on Dynamic Independence, and it might have been one of those guys. But it was said the person you were talking to or about was like, um, they're losing the woke battle essentially. That this is the public are fighting back on this. You know, they made that point, and I, I remember thinking to myself. I kind of, kind of have to agree with that a little bit, or to at least to some degree, because I, I, I have to admit, like a, a lot of, I, pretty much everybody that I speak to, is is complaining about this stuff. I mean, you my, meet people. It, it was my brother that said that. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Well, it's, there's some yeah. truth to that. I don't know, but the thing is, as we know, Melissa, that the woke thing is not what it appears to be. It is the tool. Yes. It is a tool to get us from one point to another. And yeah. we thinking we are, we are mistaking the, the symptom for the cause or we're the means, we are, we are, we are getting the means and the end mixed up here. Yes. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of it all. Yeah. We're supposed to get angry about this. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, this is a really, I, I remember talking to Neil because it was in preparing, I was just having a walk with my brother talking about the fact that I was going to talk to Neil Foster. Mm. And, you know, my brother said, well, there's some pushback on this, there's pushback. And then I said something to Neil about having said to my brother that it's a, a fight worth staying in for. And Neil immediately said, well, of course it is, because <clears throat> because if you can... If you can save one child from this, then it is worth it. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to separate out that it isn't worth becoming emotionally outraged uh, and doing nothing but following what kind of woke mm-hmm. craziness is going on here. So you, there has to be a little bit of emotional detachment on the one hand, but Neil is right. If one child can be saved from this grotesque attack on nature that it is worth taking a stand absolutely absolutely and 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 again the the complexity of what this thing is why it's being done what it means and there's different levels of understanding throughout this whole thing as well you know there's there's a whole occult element to this Mm -hmm. ties into the mystery mystery schools and the mystery traditions there's a socialist political element to this. There's so many little elements to this thing, but it's but like anything else, it's there. There is it's it's also a tool. It's just a it's a way of getting from A to B. But That's right. we that, that that being said, we we do have to call a spade a spade when we see it. And I think one one of the I think that one of the best ways to deal with it is to just yeah, as you said, to 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 try and remain emotionally detached. And call it out for what it is, and not try and get in. Not you don't you don't you don't fall into debating on the terms that they want you to. You you what this is is sophistry and deception and manipulation, and it does not deserve to be taken seriously. You know right. what I mean? 
Right. It cannot, you can't entertain this stuff as a serious, like, because they're all, then all you're doing is you're making concessions. And once right. these people get you to make a concession, they want the next one and the next one and the next one. And so, yeah, I think. I am with you there. I try to be very careful and clear. For instance, when someone has changed their name or they've had some kind of surgery, I don't play that game. You see what I mean? Right. It, yeah, the, yeah. He he is still he. Yeah. They're not she, and if I'm forced to name it, then it is it. Yeah. Yeah. It stays it. They've become an it. <laughs> and the, yeah, I mean, look, we 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 um, again, there could be an awful lot of. We, we can discuss these things and pick them apart and defend why it is that we're not going along with it. But even then, it's like we don't... This is one of those things that I think to defend it, really, to defend why you are why you are opposing it is almost apologizing in a way because you're having... It's like, you, it's like you're having to qualify yourself. This is self-evident. Mm -hmm. And the minute we... Do, when we spend too much time talking about it, what we're saying in a way, as we're saying it, that it's not self-evident, and actually maybe it's it's up for debate. No, it's not. And so, and it, yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 what I'm trying to say here is I, I'm very, very careful about following a, a train of thought or debate that heads in the direction that would be legitimizing the other side of the debate or 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 suggesting that you know that perhaps it's up for grabs or something like that. This, this is an attack on, on us at the most fundamental level possible. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, we don't need to qualify ourselves in resisting this, no. in opposing it. No. We don't need to apologize to anybody or explain why. No. I think this is probably a good place to, for us to disembark from mm -hmm. the, the conversation. We've been talking for an hour and a half. Great. And no, this been fun. I've enjoyed yeah. talking with you. I think we've touched on some really good, interesting points, and I hope everybody enjoys listening to it. And I thank you, Adam, for talking with me today. I'm glad that you're recovering. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, it's funny. I just we, maybe we'll talk again in the future because I just remembered the thing that the whole reason we were going to talk again in the first place was an experience that I had that was related to the Hollywood and the culture industry. If you recall, but anyway, we can, we can, we can. Oh, you know what you've, you know what you've done? You've just made a cliffhanger. I've made it. Okay. Right. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to make a note that you want to talk about that. You've made a cliffhanger and we'll come back and have that conversation. And yeah, so, it's, it's cool. It's quite a cool little story. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. All right. Great. I thank everybody for listening to another episode, and I'll be back next week. Well, I've got something that the world